And we're back this month, and hopefully this show will actually go out this month and not next month. This is episode six of Anime Sweater. My name is Annalise, and I'm here with Sophie Shea. Hi, Anne. How's it going? And we're back to our to our twice a month uh, 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 attempt to drag each other into the other person's fandoms. <laughs> what this else are friends is- for? <laughs> I know this week is is anime, and next week is 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 BTS, and we'll talk about that when we talk Yay. about it. Um, but this week we're we're doing something a little different, and we'll get to that in a moment. Uh, I did just want to give a bit of an update on the spring anime season. Um, two things: one, Spy Family is every bit as good as everyone is saying it is, but at the same time. I'm getting a little weirded out by the fan art. Just oh, wow. a little. That takes a um, lot. You like a well, lot of fan art. I do like fan art and I'm and I'm all about, you know, sexy fan art and sexy characters because you know, as a trans girl, that's one of the ways I live vicariously through other things. It's just like, you know, beautiful fan art. But the obsession around your forger the main female character of spy family when she's not very sexual or even really romantic and it is kind of like messing with my head because the show is both violent and sweet at the same time and i don't i don't understand and it's mostly men creating the fan art, so I really don't understand it. And it's just like it—it it really kind of gives you know all the all the bad vibes of the worst parts of male gaze. Um, the I over-sexualization. The oversex, and it's like it's not like she's not pretty and not sexy. She is both of those things. But most of her interactions are very sweet, pleasant interactions with her uh, fake husband and fake child as they're all fakes in spy family. That's kind of the point. One is a spy, one is an assassin, one's one's a telepath who knows what the other two are. And they're all lying to each other. And at the same time, having really endearing, cool family moments and, you know, battling evil. Uh, As you do. Exactly. And it's perfect, perfect, ideal family drama, comedy slash, you know, adorableness, because it is really wonderful. But the, the extent to which, the male portion of the fandom has, in my opinion, overly sexualized uh, your even in 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 certain things, just like kind of annoying me. And I'm not like yes, your forger as the as the Thorn Princess is very classically beautiful in a lot of ways, but I don't know how to tell the boys this. Your waifu doesn't exist and she doesn't love you. Well, I think you just said it. I I don't know if they heard it, though. So your waifu doesn't exist and she doesn't love you. She loves Anne, obviously. I don't care if she loves me. She's not real. (laughs) So uh, just, just watching. And the other thing I wanted to talk about is just the stupidity and we watch all of our shows currently right now on high dive because that's where the shows that we were going to start this series off with were um but 
the comment section on Crunchyroll might rival the YouTube section oh. or the comment section on YouTube for just how terrible, uh, uh, gross <laughs> and and gross and toxic male fans are. And I wish Crunchyroll would turn off the comments. And I know people can say, well, why don't you just not scroll down and not see? It's like that's not always possible, based on how pages load. And I don't know about everyone else, but when I see words, I don't look at them. I instantly read them. That's reflexive. That's not a choice I'm making. I'm not choosing to read the comments. I don't want to see the comments. And, you know, I I know that uh, sites live off of engagement and allowing people to engage with things like comments make things more popular. Okay, but Crunchyroll, just give me an option. And every other site, just give me an option where I can just turn all comments off Mm. and i can just enjoy my fandom without the other fans ruining my enjoyment here here you know i don't want to see comments on most youtube videos i don't want to see i I don't want i really don't want to see a lot of things i end up seeing on twitter um but this is not a, a podcast about social media and 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 app development this is a podcast about animes or animes and um, we're here to talk about that. And again, the seasonal anime season for spring of 2022 is great. Watch so much of this stuff. And there's so much of the stuff that we're not going to get to. I'm certainly not getting into it because you know, I'm still working too much. But we are actually going back in a time machine 20 years because Soph is still an anime novice. And she's going to be for a little while. And we're bringing her to a classic. now. I'm a very different anime fan. Um, I did get into anime the same traditional ways as most other people who are in this fandom, which is I saw Dragon Ball Z and or Sailor Moon, and that was basically it. Um, the difference is, is that I don't look back at those episodes of Dragon Ball Z that I watched when I was in my 20s and still think Dragon Ball Z is good. It's shit. Mm. And it is you, well known on this podcast. <laughs> and if you if you don't agree with that, that's fine. You can like what you like, and that's that's okay. Just know that I don't respect you at all. Just no, you, you know, zero zero respect because you know I and, and at some point in time we'll reveal an actual decent fighting show. We will not subject Soph to uh, terrible the terribleness that is aw- the awfulness of Dragon Ball Z. Although we Thank might you. have her. We might have you watch the episode where Goku and Piccolo get their driver's licenses. Because okay. I do I do continue to insist that's mandatory viewing for the entire Earth population. Um, <laughs> well, I'll watch one episode, as long as you respect me afterwards. <laughs> I will respect you in the morning. Uh, so, that's all I ask. Yeah. So we are, going, but we are going back 20 years to talk about my favorite genre of anime, which is Slice of Life. And a lot of people look down their noses on Slice of Life for not having a plot. Um, they, it's like, oh, Slice of Nothing, nothing's happening, blah, 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 blah. It's just girls sitting around talking about tea and chocolates. And I'm like, yeah. And? <laughs> and, you know, my, a subgenre of that that I really like is Yashike, and we'll get to that later on. But slice of life is just is just delightful because all the emphasis goes on to the characters. There is ostensibly a plot to slice of life anime, but we're going to 
certainly not the first slice of life anime and not even the first in this particular subgenre of slice of anime which is cute girls doing cute things but one of the defining shows of both those genres and subgenres and that is 2002's Azamanga Dayo. Now, Self, when I said you were watching the show, you knew nothing about it. Yeah, you just said it's cute girls doing cute things. I'm like, I'm in. And, yep. <laughs> it, is, it doesn't take much to accept. Um, no. Night, night elf booty, Korean boyfriends. Cute Hot girls. redheaded barbarians. Yeah. And just, yeah meat. <laughs> wine. Yep. Um, men that she can dominate. Which <sighs> is all men. <laughs> pretty much I mean, it's just like you, you get the, the rest of the male population be lucky that sean has taken one for the team uh, <laughs> otherwise you'd all be subject under under self's thrall they wish they were they do wish they were um and most of the anyway. women do too <laughs> so this this is this is um a, a show that is seminal for really defining a lot of the tropes of both slice of life and cute girls doing cute things. Uh, it started out as a, as a four coma manga published uh, and written by uh, um, Kiyohiko uh, Azuma, who's best known for his other really successful manga property called Yotsuba, which we may talk about somewhere down the line, but every single podcast that I know of that's tried to talk about Yotsuba has failed. So we might not we might not take that bait. Uh, it's from JC Staff, which to say JC Staff has a spotty record is a little bit underwhelming because while in the notes I noticed that JC Staff is responsible for great shows like Utina, Honey and Clover, Toradora, Tawaru, Food Wars, they are also responsible for some really questionable stuff. I know a lot of people have uh, have have a nostalgia boner for Excel Saga. It's not very good. It mm. it really isn't. Um, I like Sunday's Dreamers, but I accept the criticism that it's really boring. Uh, Daphne in the Brilliant Blue is one of the worst shows I have ever seen. Um, they're also responsible for the first season of Ikitosin, which started the entire trend of that piece of shit show uh that i think had four or five different sequels to it which is just about boobs and fighting um i and love boobs and fighting this show will make you hate boobs and fighting oh no it it it, it should be it should be wonderful but it's 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 boring Oh, how do you take the two awesomest things in the world, boobs and fighting, and make it boring? That's I don't know, but maybe we're going to have to have you watch it. Um, (laughs) The really terrible 2009 Slayers Revolution, uh, but also Sweet Blue Flowers, Taisho Baseball Girls. Um, Some really really good stuff was was in this. Uh, But uh, some of... Milky Homes, which is one of the most disappointing shows I've ever watched. Um, just, at the same time, great queer shows like Love Stage. Uh, so it's really hard. It's really hard because you know there's some on on their list of uh, on their list of shows. You know, Flying Witch, Food Wars, Amanchu. I love Amanchu very much. 
but also then you have you know i'm trying i'm looking for for another another bad example uh <laughs> wixus is not very good um oh they're responsible for demon girl next door which i love high score girl which is good okay so maybe they have more good than bad oh wait sorry they're responsible for is it wrong to pick up girls in a dungeon yeah <laughs> fuck them <laughs> <laughs> uh do you love your mom and her two hit multi-attack multi-target attacks which is just about people perving on a milf um mm. yeah and and just just uh, and again at the same time executioner or way of life which is a terrific show that's coming out right now so this this is a really really spotty spotty like they're they're not consistently good but they're not always terrible there's some really good stuff that they've done, and there's some stuff that just makes me kind of go. Eh. So, yeah, JC staff is is kind of a middle of the road. They will occasionally make good stuff like Nodama Cantable, and then they'll turn right around and do. Um, let me find a good example of this. Uh, yeah, Milky Holmes is that is a good enough example of a tear. Aria and the Se- and the Scarlet Ammo is another another great example of a terrible show. Huh. Anywho, so you know, and Osman Godayo is not their first show, but it's one of their early shows. So it yeah, they started... I was going to say I think it's one of the earliest ones that we've watched. Mm-hmm. It's definitely the earliest one that we've watched. At some point in time, I will introduce you to Revolutionary Golutna, but that's something we got to build up to. Um, they're also responsible for Kari Kano. So, you know, we're talking a lot about what JC staff has done. It's directed by, uh, uh, Ishikori, uh, Hiroshi, who's responsible for Angelic Lair and a certain magical in- index, which is part of the Tawaro franchise. Um, but his directing credits are, again, just a little on the spotty side. And you, you, you kind of wonder, because he doesn't have a whole lot of of directing credits and things like um yeah he's responsible for Milky Holmes which again sucks <laughs> angelic layers kind of meh i'm going to be an angel kind of meh like azamango dio really is the biggest thing other than you know index on his list and index is um popular with a certain fan group but it's not super popular osman Godayo is basically the big thing that he's done and so it's been 20 years since we've since we've been graced with this amazing show that has many many shows copying it some of those we'll talk about um and again it is based off of three basic motifs we've already talked a little bit about slice of life now a slice of life show there is ostensibly no plot the plot of this show is three years of high school following the lives of seven girls and their three teachers that's it that's the whole plot there is no other overarching plot and so it is the character interactions and what they're doing with their lives that motivates the entire show it is also a gag manga now this is often a four coma or four panel comic where each four where each four panels is another joke. Think 
American comic strips. If you've never read a gag manga or folk or a four coma manga, there was a point in time where if anything was based off of a four coma manga, I would watch it. Hmm. If you told me it was based off of four coma, I'm like, yep, okay. I'm so how does Han. that translate into an anime from a manga? It doesn't. It's just I was really into slice of life and gag manga. Ah. So it's it, the the type of the the difference here is is that you don't have any of those sweeping scenes that you'll sometimes see in like full pages of manga mm-hmm. in a four coma because everything's done in these four panels at a time. And I and, guess that kind of shows how because they I didn't watch it that way, but you said originally it was aired in like little five minute segments. Yep, each one of the episodes is a series of five minute segments. Yeah. So. It wasn't necessarily aired in five-minute shorts, I don't think. I think it was all aired as episodes, but each episode itself was divided up into um, three to five segments. And if you look at the episode list on the Wikipedia page, it will show you that. Um, so if you click on the the uh, the episodes, each episode has... Actually, each episode has five segments, so... Mm-hmm. <clears throat> not including the opening and the and the closing, which are still as delightful as they were 20 years ago. Um, more ridiculous than I remember them being. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's that's the basic of Azamangadayo. So before we get into the characters and talking about this, what were your impressions after the first episode, and what did you think was going to happen with this stuff? Um. We've watched, or at least I've watched, even if it wasn't for the show, other stories set in schools where it's about a bunch of students. Um, and I've really enjoyed it. So I guess I was kind of expecting it to go along the lines of of one of those shows that we watched. Gosh, what was the the very, oh, Maidens? Mm-hmm. Like that's oh, the one that, that comes to me, comes to mind to me. So, you know, something like that. Where, you know, the characters develop and, you know, fall in love with each other and do cool things. And that's, and that's not really where, it went, obviously, as we've been talking about Slice of Life. But. Yeah, A Maidens definitely has an overarching plot to it. And definitely has some, some real serious uh, things and issues that it's wanting to talk about. Whereas Azamangadayo has none of that. Um, the over the overarching things are more gags and jokes, and they do play into that. So, as you were working your way through it, did you find yourself experiencing? And I think this is really the point of a lot of slice of life. Did you find yourself experiencing the emotions of the characters as they were experiencing them? Um, there are certain ones that I identified with. Um, Miss um, Sakaki. Mm-hmm. I think would be the one. I don't know if you want to get into characters quite yet, but that's oh, the one that I at- attached myself to first. I think. Um, I'm not. I'm not really sure. Like there were definitely good character moments, but I'm not sure that I I attached myself to them as much as I might have in another series. Mm-hmm. So. Now, when what's interesting is that four of the of the uh, uh, six main girls, seven if you count 
uh, Cowrie, and we'll get to Cowrie. Um, in New Type's 100 Top Anime Heroines of 2002, four of the girls were in mm. the uh, top 100 of this group, which kind of shows you how dominant the show was in 2002. Wow. And what's interesting is who were the four that made that, that, made that particular list. Yomi was 78th. Sakaki was 21st. Shio was 11th. And Osaka was 7th. Wow. And the, Osaka's popularity in this show always confuses me. Yeah. And we'll, we'll talk about that in a little bit because I think that we're, we're given a very quick bait and switch in the first yeah. episode of the series. I was a little confused by why, why they did that. <laughs> so, and this, so let's, let's talk about the characters. I mean, the, 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 the plot as, as it exists really kicks off with the very first episode, uh, which is uh, with Yukari racing to get to school on time. Her chain comes off. She steals a bike from another student, blah, 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 blah. Shows up to the wrong classroom is completely inappropriate. Um, and when she goes to the proper classroom, standing there are these pigtails that have been bouncing around in the very first segment all the way through that belong to Chio. And Chio is what I'm calling the MacGuffin character. She is the thing that is kind of unique about this in that she is a 10 year old prodigy, a genius who has been advanced along the high school. You would think that Chia would be the main character. That the show would focus on Chio's uh, struggles as a 10-year-old in high school, except that Chio is almost immediately uh, accepted by her classmates, and no one seems to bat an eye at it. We even have one of the other characters, uh, uh, Chihiro, who is asking uh, Chio for help in understanding assignments. Oh, they're all constantly asking her for help because she's the yep. smartest one in the class. <laughs> yep. And so, and so Chio's acceptance comes very quickly and in comes the stealth main character, Ayumu, who quickly gets renamed Osaka and even ends up forgetting that her name isn't Osaka. <laughs> Yeah, I was a little like I, at the beginning when they did that, I thought that that was going to be more of a plot. Like she would learn to be proud of herself and not pretend to be someone else. But no, she just pretends to be, the, puts on this new character for the rest of the show. <laughs> mm -hmm. Oh, you Which, mean Osaka? Yeah. No, I think she's genuinely very much herself. Oh, okay. I think she I think she's very much this spacey airhead who doesn't really quite grasp everything around her. I think that episode two kind of makes that very clear. Um and it's Tomo, the third character, who tries to get Osaka because a, a lot of the humor in the show, um early on, especially in episode one, really depends on you understanding the regions of Japan, which I don't. Yeah, me and neither. so there's a certain type of physical slapstick slapstick comedy that is part of Osakan culture because Ayumo is from Osaka, 
which is why she gets named Asaka by her classmates who are being lazy about it. Um, Ayumi, Ayumu, sorry, I keep mispronouncing her name. Um, yeah, just... And, and she's like, I'm really not like all these Asakan stereotypes you're talking about. And I don't talk that way. And th- this is one of the reasons why I encourage no one to watch the dub of this. Because they give Osaka an American Southern accent in the American dub. Yeah. Which does not actually match the, the accent change in Japanese, as I understand. Other places uh, give Osaka characters a Boston accent, which is really fucking annoying. Um, mm. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of good reasons not to like dubs because they not not to listen to dubs because they do a lot of bad choices. Uh, most people who know what they're talking about with the linguistics of this would agree that the Boston accent is closer to, to, to reality, which is why a lot of Osaka characters are given that Boston accent, but it's still mm-mm, mm-mm. doesn't translate the same. It doesn't translate the same. It doesn't feel the same. And again, Osaka is trying to be very clear that, you know, not all people from Osaka are like what you've seen on TV shows. Please stop being that way. And eventually everyone just kind of like accepts her as the spacey airhead that she is. <sighs> Which gets us to, we've already talked about her, the most punchable character in this show. Tomo. She's the super competitive one, right? The super competitive one who's bad at everything. Oh my gosh. <sighs> She's so annoying. I've listed her here as the imp character. Um, she's just, she's a slacker. She's, she's not athletic, although she thinks she's strong and good at things. Um, she just is terrible. She's irritating. I don't even know why the other girls put up with her. I'm so glad I'm not the only one that thought she was irritating. She's a piece of shit. Okay. She's so over the top. And I'm a pretty over the top person. I look at Tumbo and go, calm the fuck down. I felt like every joke with her, they carried on for, like, a couple panels too long, if it was a manga. Like, like yeah, we get it. You don't need to keep keep with the, oh, she's yelling and hysterical or whatever. Like, we get it. You don't need to. I don't know if that was maybe just the style of the time, but I felt that way with a lot of the jokes, actually, in yeah. the show. I'm like, yeah, we get it. You don't need to. Like going for thirty seconds. There's a really, I, I mean, for me, the worst is is when um, Kauri, when when Kauri finally gets to go on summer vacation with all the other girls because her club her club is not meeting her. She's quit her club. I don't remember exactly which it is. Um, and she's trying to take a picture of Sakaki, and Tomo keeps jumping in front of the camera. Yeah, and it's just like. I don't know how Kauri doesn't just haul off and pummel the shit out of Tomo <laughs> because she certainly has it coming. Kauri's Kauri is in is in almost near orgasmic heaven watching Sakaki do stretches and in a about bikini. Take a, well, <laughs> well, that that that's earlier in the show, but okay. <laughs> um, later in the show, uh, uh, Sakaki, and we'll get to Sakaki in a moment. Sakaki sees that Chio has a a cute stamp for doing morning radio exercises. So Sakaki is like, I would like to collect cute stamps and start doing morning radio exercises with, with, Ch- with Chio. And 
uh, uh, Kaori gets up early in the morning and sees this, and it's like, getting up in the, early in the morning has rewards and is about to take a picture. And she's leaning over a balcony to take this picture of Sakaki doing stretches. And Tomo somehow jumps in the middle of this. I'm just like, oh, oh, you, you horrible person. You just, you just like terrible, terrible, selfish person. Um, and then, I mean, that whole episode, which also includes Tomo, like getting super behind Yukari's terrible driving. Uh, we'll get we'll get to that later (laughs) um but yeah tomo is just i I struggle to find any kind of redeeming feature about tomo at all and it's almost like she's the antagonist of the series and i don't know why the girls keep her around yeah i don't know (laughs) yeah and then then we have yomi who is the most reasonable normal girl that we can have here um Except that she is super obsessed with her weight. Oh um, yeah. In 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 a, in a way that is kind of like I, I think it's meant to be empathetic to the way in which girls are taught to focus on their weight, but at no at no point in time does she say fuck it and do what she wants. Yeah, that's kind of what I was expecting. Like if this was not a slice of life but more of a serialized thing, then I feel like that's where it would have went. Yeah. And Yomi has an interesting character arc in which she starts failing her entrance exams to get into colleges. Even after Tomo, Kagura, and and Osaka have have managed somehow miraculously to pass their college entrance exams. Even though they're like have a special club and take pride in the fact that they're all getting horrible grades. <laughs> and and they're they're legitimately stupid. Um <laughs> Yeah, and and Yomi is actually legitimately very smart and still is, like, choking on these exams. Uh, Yomi is a character who can kind of disappear into the background, which is unfortunate because I think she's one of the more interesting characters. Um, And she really doesn't go in for a lot of the gags except for the one time with the spicy croquette which she tricks Osaka into eating. Osaka gets hiccups for like five straight minutes and, and Yomi torments her. Um, but most of the time she's like normal and reasonable and pleasant. So Yomi's just kind of there. And then we get to Sakaki, which is, the, which is the, in a lot of ways, the school idol, at least in one person's eyes. She's tall She's really good at sports. She's very shy. She never seems to speak. Um, She's the coolest and... one, as they say. And they have this argument over whether it's better to be cute or whether it's better to be cool. <laughs> mm-hmm. And and Sakaki is also getting good grades and also does not want to be as she appears to be. She's super obsessed with cute things. She wishes, like all tall girls do, that she could be petite. All petite girls wish they could be tall. Um, why is no one ever happy with who they are? Said the trans girl on the microphone. Uh, <laughs> uh, she really wants to pet cats, and all cats oh want my to do God. is bite her. Oh my God. In the very last episode, too, she's like mm-hmm. walking to school on the last day. And you're like, oh, okay, maybe this last time the cat will not bite her. No. No, the cat still the, bites the, her. The cat bites her still. And we'll talk As a about- cat should. <laughs> 
Yeah, and we'll talk about Maya, the cat that that actually becomes her her cat at the end. Yeah. Um, yeah, but Sakaki is Sakaki is very down to earth. She doesn't really pay attention to everything everyone else is doing, and she's really just wanting to you know just kind of get by and not really yeah. make a big splash. But at the same time, she's very good at everything she does. And Kagura, who is a sporty girl, she is, I believe, on the swimming team, which is why she's got tan lines, and is, again, very much like Sakaki, just a very nice person. Uh, doesn't really become a main character until until the second year. Yeah, because um, in the first season, she's not in that class. She's in a different class, right? Yep. And she joins up with uh, Toma and Osaka to be the the underachievers group the uh, the <laughs> Bonkuras which roughly tr- translates to team idiot or blockheads um and she is most of the time just kind of there um she's nice enough she doesn't really she doesn't really get into all the stupid of everyone but Kagura's very much like Yomi, and it's understandable that, you know, only one of them were going to make that list that I mentioned earlier. And then we get into Kaori. This whole show could be retitled uh, Kaori's Unrequited Love. Oh, God, she's got it so bad. Kaori, so bad. <laughs> Kaori's only personality trait is being in love with Sakaki. And honestly, who can blame her? I I do not blame her at all. Nope. Everyone everyone should be in love with Sakaki. She even has a New Year's dream about being rescued from Yakuza by Sakaki. Um, (laughs) The dreams were great. The dreams are awesome. Oh, I yeah. I won't go. go That's a tangent. I guess. No, do it. Do it. Do it. Do it. The um Sakaki's dreams about Chio's dad as a cat. Oh my god. And Chio's dad, of course, is not a cat, but the the weirdness of this show is part of the wonderfulness of the show. It is (laughs) quirky. Yep. And so, so, unfortunately, uh, Sakaki never seems to notice Kaori's love, which is so sad. Even when they dance at the cultural festival. Hmm. And then... That that ends horribly. And they do the three-legged race together. Yep. Which is that, that scene I sent, had to send you. Yep. <laughs> uh, of her exploding with happiness with church bells and and plumes of rainbows being flown behind her. <laughs> like, wow, they're really yep. not subtle about this, are they? That is no, not this... something you would have found in English anime, like English content around this time i feel like they would have been they're like way subtle <laughs> yeah, about queer just, stuff they're they're um and Ka- kaori is just super super in love with sakaki uh yep. there's a clip from an amv hell uh where it's 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 kaori's reactions to the song angel in the centerfold mm. um yeah she she's she has no other personality and she suffers so much for her love. She willingly gets in Yukari's car for the, for the uh, third year summer uh, trip 
And she should be having the time of her life sitting next to Sakaki and hugging on to her for dear life. But she's too terrified by, by Yukari's driving to actually enjoy any of it. Sad. And just like all of the all the chances where she's got like a moment with Sakaki get ruined by someone else. Now, part of that really pisses me off because there's a whole history of tragedy in lesbian relationships in anime and manga. Yeah, they you never get have, to be happy. You could have made you could have made Kaori happy once. You could have let Kaori have something once and yeah. There's no Anne character in the show. We'll get to that later. <laughs> Yukari, the teacher of most of the girls, the homeroom teacher of most of the girls, who's also the English teacher, is somehow more irresponsible than Tomo. The, the first scene, scene we see her is her being late for class and some kid is like stopping to fix his bike and she steals his bike yep. to get to class on time. <laughs> Like, yep. okay, <laughs> that's who we're dealing with. And then she, she goes in, she goes into the wrong classroom and she's like, uh, 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 my measurements are closely guarded and secret. And just like, uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, we, no one is asking. So just, you know, stop it. Just, ugh. oh, it's terrible. Um, and she is, <sighs> the girls like her. But she is more obsessed with winning the sports festival than just about everything, which yeah. is why she steals Kagura into her into her homeroom class in the second year, and also why she lets Kauri go in the third year. So poor Kauri, yeah, poor Kauri having to be stuck in Kimura's oh, class. We'll get to him in a moment. Niyamo, <laughs> Niyamo, is the best teacher. She's the gym teacher. And she is the homeroom teacher of class five and then class two. And she tries to balance out Yukari's irresponsibility by being super responsible, which leads to that quite famous scene of, uh, 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 of in, in, in one of the summers, I think it's, I think it's, um, episode 14 yeah it's the second summer um there's there's somehow beer and sake in the house and niyama's like i must drink this because otherwise yukari will drink it and get super irresponsible with the girls so i'm the responsible one i'm going to take a hit for the team and then ends up spilling all the details about sexual relationships with the girls which leads the girls to like give her ultimate respect from that moment onward. And Chia was so confused. And Osaka of all people turns to her and says, you'll understand when you grow up. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the, the next morning where, where Niamo has forgotten everything and the girls are bowing to her as Chio is confused and Sakaki is blushing. And the other four girls are just like, giving her the utmost respect and just like it was very educational it was <laughs> it was very important education so yeah um and then we get to the last teacher and our last character and the worst character uh kimura oh, 
I hate him so much. Every time he's on screen, he just irritated the ever-loving shit out of me. And I think we're supposed to hate him. Um, and at the same time, I kind of get annoyed by... If, if this were 2022 and this were intentional, I would say this is a critique of toxic masculinity. Because the way all the boys in the school are just like, oh, but he's great because he's so honest with his feelings, blah, 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 blah. Shut up. Stop it. Stop it now. Always perving on the girls in there, trying to watch swim practice, trying to get them to wear their little their little gym outfits they wear for like field day, where they're like basically underwear. Yep. It's like, oh, I want I wanted them to have to keep wearing those because I like looking at them. Like, fuck yeah, off. Says he became a high school teacher so he can be always be surrounded by high school girls. And he, he's not Ugh. ashamed of it in any way. It's clearly no. something really acceptable. And it's so crazy to me. It's that... actually not really acceptable, and that's the joke. But I mean, it seems not a like, good job. Within the context of the show, like they didn't fire him, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, and he has a sweet, loving wife somehow. Yeah, that so, brings him lunch and. In manga, the complete guide, Jason uh, Thompson speculates that he might be a parody of the readers of the magazine that mm-hmm. Azumanga Dial ran in. That this might be uh, the author's attempt to kind of make fun of their own readers. Now, it ran. Let me see if I can find this. In Dengeki Dio. And Dengeki Dio has run some really good stuff. Uh, How long before to... the show did it run? I'm sorry to interrupt you. Oh, it ran uh it ran from February 1999 to, to June 2020 uh, June uh, 2002. Okay. So um there's a lot of stuff here that that doesn't really matter, but the fact that the magazine that it's in ran uh, Iramanga Sensei, that is all you need to know about it. Because, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, there are plenty of good female-centered manga that are run in magazines for boys. Yep, and this is one of them. <laughs> yep. But, yeah, this this might be this might be Kazuma uh, running this, doing this character to make fun of the readers mm. and that's a speculation by jason thompson and he knows more about manga and mangaka than we do so we'll take him at his word and his speculation now that's the show i mean really that's it that's the whole show the characters and their interactions we could talk about individual episodes but if you've ever watched a slice of life show it starts in the spring with the new school year goes into the summer summer vacation uh, cultural festival, sports festival, sometimes those orders are flipped, I don't always know what, and then into winter, and then back to spring, next year starts. That is the high school slice of life. That is all they do. Every single show follows that formula. And it is really about the seasons and what people learn along the way and the fun that they're having. And that's the appeal to the show. What's happening here is you know, you have the kind of establishment of these stock characters. For example, you will see characters like these seven girls appear over and over and over and over again 
in slice of life all slightly tweaked all slightly different so none of them are like there's not a carbon copy of osaka like the closest carbon copy of osaka is run in uh a channel um but she is not osaka she's just another airhead character so you don't have and 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 you do have these characters who are feel feel three-dimensional but each experience that you get with this kind of high school slice of life is different each anime does it slightly differently and messes with the formulas here and there so how did you end up liking this I guess it, I am someone who's super invested in the story. That's what gets me in. Like, I want to see how this develops and what happens next. So it wasn't necessarily my favorite. I mean, it was worthwhile to watch just as kind of a fun, let's just live with these characters for a little while kind of thing. Uh, but I'm not sure I would watch it again. Mm-hmm. Um, and. I think that's kind of the charm of it is it doesn't need to be watched again. Yeah. I did not rewatch the entire show. I went through and rewatched some major beats that I, that I remembered and cared about um, because there are some really great moments in the show, but there's also some problems in the show. And it really does show its age. The middle episodes have some off model, bad animation habits. Oh, I didn't notice that. Yep. It's something you'll only notice on the second watching, but around episode 14 and 15, there's some weird things going on with character faces in this show. Mm, just kind of <laughs> lazy or? Uh, not so much lazy as in budget cuts. So you make the beginning episodes look as good and clean and crisp as possible, and the ending episodes look as good and clean and crisp as possible, and shortcuts are often taken in the middle episodes. Mm. So that's what's happened here. And there's definitely some shortcuts in animation and character models and definitely some B-team animators doing some of the cells, especially in episode 14, which is the second summer vacation episode. I mean, some some of the shots of the cheeks of Kagura in particular were just kind of like, ew. Like, really kind of uncomfortably bad. Uh, It didn't ruin that episode, but it was noticeable. And I think that if you are interested in the slice of life genre, or if you're interested in the history of tropes about cute girls doing cute things, this is a must watch. But I also think that no one has to watch this. You can watch any other slice of life or cute girls doing cute things show and get all the information about the genres out of it that you get out of watching Osmanga Dio. It's just that Osmanga Dio is where the show was, is where a lot of this stuff was codified and then followed up on later on. So the opening and ending are kind of these weird nonsensical songs that are sweet and delightful, but the, the lyrics, even when translated, don't make a whole lot of sense. Yeah, Raspberry Heaven? Yeah, what the fuck is that? What is uh, that? <laughs> Yeah, just nothing nothing about this makes makes a ton of sense and yet at the same time it is completely completely delightful. Um and I do like that the ending animation does have 
Kaori walking with Sakaki. Uh, you know, the one kind of like moment of joy Kaori is getting in that getting getting to walk not walk next to Sakaki. So the show is definitely important, but I don't know how much it holds up. Yeah, it's hard know. for me to speak on how timeless it is because like I never watched it mm-hmm. at the time and I don't have a lot of history with anime but it but was does definitely it feel 20 years old to you I mean it definitely seemed of a lesser like lesser is not the right word but of a less enjoyable style to me I it's hard for me to say if that means older because mm-hmm. I wasn't watching anime at the time that it came out but uh, I, I guess I would say it, it doesn't feel timeless, but I like, like, as you've talked more about how it's influenced shows going forward, um, it's, I mean, you got to give it that. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it, and it's one of those shows that even people who don't like Slice of Life will point to as a good example of Slice of Life. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's perfectly fine not to like Slice of Life. I'm weird. And, and it's also probably not meant to watch like I did, like all 26 episodes, like really quickly. Like, no, it's just best... kind of like you come home after school and you watch an episode and next week, oh, you come watch the next one, maybe. And mm-hmm. Like just as a kind of part of your day, not like, oh, like I mainline shows like that's what kind of Netflix has done to us where they release a whole season and you just watch everything all at once. Like that's how not how that's not how the show is meant to be consumed. I don't think. No, it's really meant to be consumed an episode at a time on a weekly basis, and so it it, it does kind of suffer from being watched repeatedly. This is a show that I had a hard time finishing for that reason because when I found out about it, um, this show came out after my anime fandom or before my anime fandom had started, and I went back and watched it uh, in like two thousand and five, two thousand and six, and I really enjoyed it. And I, I still enjoy it. And I still get all those emotional beats. Um, in the graduation ceremony, when Chio starts crying, I start oh, crying. Oh, yeah. That um, was a good scene. It's just, it's so hard not to. And you, and, and people, people watching this are, might be confused, you know, because when, if you're, if you're not experienced with Japanese school media, uh, Chio says in that episode, this is my first graduation. That's because she didn't get her elementary school graduation. You, and if you're American, you might think, well, elementary school graduation shouldn't exist. You have to remember, in America, we are with basically the same classmates unless we move from kindergarten through 12th grade. In Japan, you frequently say goodbye to your elementary school friends and go to a different middle school than they go to. One of the things... I'm sorry to interrupt. Oh, go ahead. They, they did well was with Chio where she would once in a while come across her old elementary school teammates at, or classmates and they'd be off doing something fun like going swimming and she's like oh I wish I could just go have fun and be a kid and no mm-hmm. she can't do that and at the same time when she becomes a third year and people are still treating her like a little kid and she's like she starts getting she like goes up to this freshman boy who's not calling her senpai that was a good scene that's such a great scene <laughs> so she she is she is a delightful character and she is missing most of her childhood because of her 
specialness, but at the same time, she fits in perfectly with the girls that she's found, and she's having a great time and a great experience. It's just a different experience. And her her love of what is going on in her life, because she's 12, and her schooling, her formal schooling is ending. And that's a really kind of hard thing to think about when you think about, you know, when we were 12, we still got like six more years of school going. And she's like planning to go to another country to go to mm. college and like be yep. on her own. Like, wow. Granted, yeah, her she... family's rich. So, you know, that's a little easier said. <laughs> yeah. But, you know. So th- th- there's so much there's so much really good stuff about this show that I think that if, if no, if someone hasn't watched it, you can probably go to the wiki and pick out a handful of episodes that, that should be watched. And I would say episode one just for the introduction of the characters is worth watching i would definitely say episodes uh all the episodes dealing with the festivals and the, the summer vacation the summer vacations yeah yeah those are the ones that are the most interesting but if you only watch those episodes you're going to miss some of the best moments and some of the best jokes that happen when they're in school um but i definitely think there's something really still valuable in this show because a lot of the shows don't really carry this five minute gag style. And there's something to that that is still very good. So we'll, we'll throw it to, to you. So for some final thoughts, what are your final thoughts on Azamanga Dio as a show? Um, well, I, I think it's a good starting point and good template for where slice of life can go from there and we've even on the few shows that we've had certainly watched a few shows that are influenced by it and benefit so i think it it's really stands the test of time in that way and that it's very influential in the next 20 years of female-centered anime and i would say that you could probably skip the anime and buy the four volumes of manga because the anime is straight lifted from the manga so it's not that significantly different. And you can probably read the manga in a lot less time than it will take you to watch the show. So, and it's only four volumes long. It's definitely worth your, worth your time. And Yen Press did a really good job of translating it. I will say that the one thing that I hated about this rewatching it, because I watched fan subs, which did not mm. poorly translate Japanese honorifics, because I hate it when they translate Japanese honorifics, which are... San, Sama, Kun, and Chan as Mr. or Ms. or Miss. Um, because that that's not really what those words mean. It's yeah. it's it's really it really doesn't work. And they so, like the subs I watched were or what um they constantly were calling them Miss or yeah. this or Miss That. I'm like, is that really and, what they were calling? <laughs> that's not really what they were calling them. So it, it is really kind of annoying when they do that. Uh, that's something that shouldn't be translated because there isn't an English equivalent. Yeah. And so these these were these were very very bad uh, subtitles. And I don't want to watch. I've watched I think a little bit of the English dub. I don't want to watch the full English dub because again, comedy doesn't really translate very well. And a lot of the like the tongue twisters and the the Asakan references that Tomo is making do not translate at all. And their tendency to make Asakan characters speak in American Southern accents, uh, 
It's horrible. It's so uh, bad. It's as someone so who awful. who watches a lot of things translated from Korean, I I am very sad that like there are a lot of good translators for for a lot of that stuff that I watch, but still I wish I know I'm missing so much. Yeah. It's frustrating. So that's going to do it for our our review of Asmanga Dio. It definitely holds up, but it's also definitely skippable, skippable or watchable in bits if it's not your if it's not your thing. Um, next month, however, we're going to go in the complete opposite direction. We're mm-hmm. we're going to go to a show that is not defining a genre but creating a whole new genre, and. I've watched this show a couple of times and I still don't really, I mean, you can put it in a, people do try to put it in genres. The wiki puts it in the genres. I would argue the show is of its own genre. And it is, I'm sorry. It is the, the show that in 2014 was, was, was uh, lauded as to quote, have saved anime. Oh, it is awesome. Girls do doing badass things. And the show that proves once and for all the truth that you and I both know, Soph, that pants are evil. Okay, I was just saying today how much I hate pants. It's true. On Netflix, we're going to be watching Kill a Kill. Ooh. Now, I will tell you, and I'm going to send you this after the after. I'm going to send you this after <laughs> the show is over. I yeah. will tell you that everything that you need to know about the plot of the show is in the two opening sequences. It is shown, but it is not explained. After you watch the show, the opening sequences make so much more sense. Is it another one where there's like, it's a weird kind of out of order thing? Like, what no, can it's not, I it's not of... out of order. It's not out of order okay. at all. <laughs> so it's not like Princess Principle. That's um, what I was trying to think of, yeah. But there are so many hints as to what's happening in the show that are in both the first and the second opening that you will not know what those things mean until you get to the very last episode. And then you go back and rewatch those introductions and you're like, they were telling me what was happening the whole time. Well, I'm excited to watch that. It's also full of a lot of nudity. Oh, nice. And, and gratuitous nudity of all persuasions. Fantastic. Equal opportunity. Exactly. It, it's, fan, <laughs> it's fan service for everyone and all kinds. And not only that, it's a show where we learn that the world is saved by a girl on the promise that another girl will go out on a date with her. Oh. Yep. It's everything, everything you could possibly want in a show. It's gay. It, it thinks clothes are evil. Anne could ever want in a show. It was gay. And and it is it is badass as badass gets. Um, so Sounds next awesome. month, Kill a Kill. It's on Netflix. You can watch it there. You can also probably still watch it on Crunchyroll. I would strongly encourage you to watch the uh, the the sub as 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 I normally would. But I don't think the dub is terrible. I think the dub is actually quite serviceable. I'll, I'll, I take it most of the time that you would always recommend the the sub. Almost always. <laughs> Almost always, there are there are lots of there are lots of there are lots of times where I actually think I I prefer the dub because either I either the dub was something that's special particular to me, or because the dub is awesome in a particular way. At some point, I'm going to have you sit down and watch Bow, 
and the only way to watch bow is with the coastal carolina dub because there are good dubs there are mediocre dubs there are bad dubs and there are dubs that are so bad they go all the way around to awesome and that is the Coastal Carolina dub of Bow. We'll talk about that another time. <laughs> uh, but that's going to do it for uh, this episode of Anime Sweater. We really hope you enjoyed it. We really hope you enjoyed our last episode. And we hope you're you're enjoying having us back. I know a lot of you downloaded the Princess Principal episode and hope you liked it. Um, so we're going we're gonna to keep on doing this. And we're also doing a whole bunch of other shows. But if you want to know more about Anime Sweater, you can find us on Twitter at Anime Sweater Pod. You can also uh, email the show, and I gotta get us up each time because I never an anime sweater podcast at gmail.com. You can follow the host. So what's your Twitter again? Uh, Lisa3325. Yep, and where you're just basically living the BTS life. Yeah, as you will learn next week. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you can follow me at N underscore Elise. You can follow all of our other podcasts on the Q Girls Network. Q for Fun, our flagship show, which can be found over at Q for Fun on Twitter. You can also find uh, the show we recorded earlier today, Ann and Emily Russell podcast at Ann and Emily Pod. And our brand new show, View for Fun at View FF Podcast, where we released our first full episode last week. And our newest of new shows is oh that's a becoming army podcast (laughs) which we're going to record the first regular episode of next week which i'm simultaneously excited and really anxious about as you are when you're trying to share something you love with someone you care about and you just want them to see it exactly the way you see it (laughs) That'll never happen. I know. Uh, I know it's not, but I still I want see, it. I, I will see it in my own way, and I already like K-pop quite a bit, so you don't have anything to worry about. It's not like I'm going to walk in to, to next week and be like, uh, BTS, what a bunch of shitty shitty singers and dancers there. I'm not going to well, do something like that. Because you'd like me to remain as your friend. Well, so. also because I already know better, so <laughs> I know a little bit about B- BTS, not much. Um so we'll get to that as we go. We also want to shout out uh, Wicked Kitten's Gore Podcast, which you can find over at Gore Podcasts on Twitter. And definitely you should be listening to that show. It is the best of the shows that we do. Wicked Kitten has worked really, really hard on making it the best horror podcast on the internet. And I think she has succeeded. Um, that's going to do it for Anime Sweater this month. Uh, so any final words, final thoughts about Asmongadayo? Good luck. Have fun. And smash the patriarchy by smashing those really horrible male teachers that you probably have. Yep. Not smashing and in a sexy way. Smashing no, in a no, punch their no, faces way. And and not punch their faces in a sexy way either. Punch their faces in a break their nose way. Yeah. And not break their nose in a sexy way, but break their nose in a Okay, like this really... could go on forever. <laughs> Someone has got a kink for everything. I mean, come on, it's rule 36. Which is why it could go on forever. <laughs> yep. All right, that's going to do it for Anime Sweater. Sit back, relax, watch something you enjoy, and remember, the only thing that's wrong is thinking that Dragon Ball Z is good. <laughs> <laughs>